0: This recording was originally made to audio tape and converted to digital format.
1: Each story is different, one's tragic, one's mean, and one's sad, but they have something in common about which we will speak. First story is a a true story, a a story of experience. One of my great heroes in the priesthood is a a priest who will Is a little note, except to a small group of very important people, his name is Charles Takao. Charles Takao is the grandson of Judge Brandeis of the Supreme Court, Uh, third generation Anglican, ethnic Jew. Uh, Charlie's a fascinating man. Uh, Charlie's a bachelor was for a number of years the head of the juvenile court in Louisville, Kentucky, and then as a second vocation went to seminary uh, in his mid-40s. And when he came back to Louisville, he was the rector of the uh, black inner-city parish. So we have uh, an Anglican Jew rector of a black uh, inner-city parish, uh, America at its best. Uh, Charlie was so conservative that he was a liberal during the 60s. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, if that doesn't make sense to you, it's because he was one of the foremost leaders in um, black and white reconciliation during the black and white crisis uh, in the South only because uh, he said, I'm so conservative that the gospel is very clear about equality and love of God, plus the folks that I serve Uh, are oppressed people and so uh, I must take leadership in uh, helping at least to influence the symbols uh, of freedom. Charles was an interesting, interesting man. I have great love and affection for Charles. He's about to retire um, and uh, he's had a wonderful career as this interesting kind of eccentric uh, Jewish Anglican uh, priest of a black parish. When In in the late uh, 60s, early 70s, Charles uh, was sitting in his office one day. Uh, The office door, he heard a banging, and so he opened the door, and there stood this fellow that he had seen around the streets of the inner cities of Louisville. uh, And he recognized him as kind of a character uh reputed to be a drug dealer and and or drug user and so he said to charles said father Tackow said would you like to buy a tv uh said we just got a shipment in from memphis (laughs) and charles said to him said uh i don't watch tv i don't have any money And he said, uh, um, I I really don't think it's a good idea for you to be selling those TVs anyway. He said, okay, Father. So he left. Well, the tragedy of the story is, later that afternoon, uh, there was a murder of uh, a policeman in Louisville by this this fellow. Charles said, I always thought maybe if I'd have bought the TV, that I might have somehow avoided uh, a robbery and a murder. Well, several years later, uh, Charles was driving down the streets of Louisville and he saw this man five or six, seven years later standing at a street corner suit and tie, briefcase and Charles kind of slowed his car down and pulled over next to him and said uh, aren't you so and so? And he said yeah Father Tackow. I said are you going downtown? I said yes. He said well can I have a ride? I said sure get in. He said well what are you doing? I thought you'd gone to Eddyville. He said well I did go to Eddyville but I'm rehabilitated. He said there was a Uh, technicality in which I got out of prison, but he said, I've learned my lesson. I'm working for the city now, and it's uh, city planning department. And um, (laughs) Charles said, (laughs) Charles said, well, I look forward to the plans, but he said, (laughs) he said, said, you remember the day the day that uh, that policeman was killed, that you came by my office And you said you wanted to sell me a TV and that you'd just gotten a shipment in from Memphis. And he said, sure, I remember that, Father. He said, how dumb do you think I am? He said, I knew those TVs were hot. Did you think I was going to buy a stolen TV from you? He said, how dumb do you think I am? The man said, Father, you're dumber than I thought. He said, what do you mean? He said, there wasn't... She discovers that she's won the lottery and so she calls her husband who's at home and she says, my days come i won 10 million dollars in the lottery pack your bags and he said should i dress for a warm climate or a cold climate she said don't make any difference to me just be gone when i get home <laughs> Um, a 40-year-old man said to me, said, you know, I've spent 20 years climbing the ladder, and I've climbed every rung, and I'm now at the top rung, only to discover the ladder's against the wrong wall. Now, those are three entirely different stories, but they have something in common, and that is they have a surprise ending. Uh, they will uh, evoke in us laughter because of the surprise. And it wasn't all what we expected. Now, if we haven't learned by now that this is the way life is, uh, then I don't know when or how we will learn it except by the continuing redundant repetition of the tautological style of life. And that is to say that life will continue... To teach us what we need to know until we get it and integrate it. And we can't go on until we do. Surprise is the rule. A determination is not. Now, we are uh, celebrating today the Feast of the Pentecost. Um, many of us remember it, it is Whit Sunday. I've been asked this morning, what's the difference between Whit Sunday and Pentecost? And I can explain that very quickly. Uh, there is no difference. Were there any other questions? <laughs> now, the Whit Sunday uh, is a particularly uh, Anglican kind of custom because, um, uh, uh, as you know, that uh, white is a color for Easter and for baptism. Well, and when they were doing outdoor baptisms, the candidates would wear white. But at Easter, it was still too cold, and so they would do baptisms on pentecost instead and everybody would wear white and it became known as white sunday Uh, and so whit sunday of course is abbreviation for the day everybody would get baptized and wear white on pentecost Uh, the new prayer book is sees that it really the the tradition is pentecost and the popular tradition was whit sunday and so it's still both Um, so this is the feast of the pentecost now the reason I began by these surprise stories kind of leading us one direction, expecting one thing to happen and all of a sudden to come in with a surprise ending, is the nature of the religious story, particularly the Christian story. Now let's look at Pentecost for a moment. There's kind got some surprising things about Pentecost. The first surprise really has to, uh, you have to understand uh, the Old Testament. And once again, that's, that's the one on the left-hand side of the Bible. <laughs> uh, if you remember in the Old Testament, uh, the God of the consciousness of uh, Old Testament folk uh, was a God that uh, was uh, continually correcting the people uh, for their infidelity to this God. And so... Uh, If you remember, he got very angry at the pomposity of human beings and punctured their pretense uh, at the Tower of Babel. You remember that? Uh, Is this a mural? (laughs) You you do remember that? Yes, thank you. they built this great tower I I don't know what it looked like I suspect it looked like the one right down at the end of the street (laughs) when human beings thought they were so grand that they could build a tower all the way up to heaven and so God wanted to remind them that he was in charge of things and so he confused their language at the Tower of Babel and so they began to babble remember that? And so they all had one language, and then at the Tower of Babel they began to babble, and uh, uh, they confused their languages. And so that's the the reason why we all speak different languages in different parts of the world. But on Pentecost, the Spirit corrected the Tower of Babel, and they were speaking in different tongues, and yet everybody understood. a surprising understanding of the end of the Tower of Babel? I can tell you're absolutely
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> She said, it doesn't make any difference to me just be gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there
1: are no bad days, just some better than others.
0: <laughs>
1: well, let's try this then if you're <clears throat> not so impressed with that biblical exegesis of the surprise of the Tower of Babel being cleared up at Pentecost. Uh, what a surprise it was for them uh, to realize that uh, this God of the Old Testament uh, had revealed through the prophets that a Messiah was to come, one who would be God-bearer. And um, And so they thought they knew that the one that they were to expect had come. If you remember, Jesus asked very clearly to Peter, Who do men say that I am? And he wasn't just curious about this. He wanted Peter to eliminate the possibility. And he said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Moses or Elijah, one of the prophets. And then he said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Your Lord or Messiah. Very important piece of scripture because then that was identifying Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. And so they were at the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry with this revelation except it all went downhill from there. I mean, it was very surprising what happened. I mean, the Messiah, the great uh, God, King, that was usher in the new kingdom uh, wound up uh, being put to death for sedition, blasphemy really. Uh, This mighty one to usher in the new kingdom, the messianic age, didn't come on chariot with white horse, but he really looked like a fool riding on an ass. Uh, And then he died uh common death with criminals, as a matter of fact, on either side of him. And so the story that they had kind of thought was going one way wound up another way, and this was very surprising to them. And then, of great surprise, once they thought that this was just another uh, defeat in life, another failure, all of a sudden the word began to spread that Jesus was alive. Now, there were two stories told, if you remember. One was that the story that they had stolen the body, that is, that the disciples had stolen the body. That story didn't survive. The story that survived was that this one who had said he was God incarnate was alive. And that was an incredible surprise to them, to have the Messiah come in their age, die a criminal's death and then to be alive. What an incredible surprise. And then at Pentecost, Christ had ascended and they didn't know what to do next. And so they were gathered together and out of nowhere came a mighty spirit. Now, it is chauvinistic of Christians to presume that the Holy Spirit did not exist before Pentecost. That is, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is pre-existent. But it was the time at which uh, they began to get some clarity about the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in heaven or on earth, but within each human being. Now, that's very surprising. Now, if you didn't know that, I mean, if you weren't aware of that, I'm glad to be the one to tell you. Now, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. Now, we human beings, about the time we get God organized about what it is that we want out of life, uh, God gives us what we need. Now it's never the same as what we wanted or thought we wanted or were told we should want. It's always a surprise. You know, we place our ladder against a clear wall and we climb it and we get there and discover that we're on a tower of fable. That what we thought was God has turned out to be a ladder on a wrong wall. Human beings are infamous uh, for their inability to become human. As I'm fond of saying, dogs have no trouble becoming dogs; angels have no trouble becoming angels. But human beings are infamous in their inability to become human. It's because, and I think this is the real point of the surprise of being human. It's because. We are never complete. We are incomplete. And yet we're called upon to be self-completing. And how in the world are we going to do that? Because we're continually seduced by false gods of our own making or those of our culture to where we think we know and are secure with what it is that we want until we arrive there. So what does Pentecost have to do with that? I mean, why is it that I'm talking about that today on Pentecost? Well, it's because that which you seek dwells within you. You remember the haunting statement of the woman riding on an ox, looking for an ox? The surprise is that that which you seek to put it all together for you, the it that you want to be with, you know, as in with it. (laughs) Well, the it is not an impersonal pronoun, but it is a personal pronoun. Rather than saying, I am with it, you might say I am with me. that might be nice that which you seek has found you that's the Pentecost story it's the Christian story that which you seek has found you if for those of you who are in the second half of your life have climbed a ladder or two have packed a bag or so have been a time or two with what you thought was true but wasn't. Maybe the surprise is that there's no longer any need to look anywhere else. That the kingdom that you sought is within. The spirit, capital S, dwells within each of us. The general spirit, capital S, spirit, which has so many words attached to it that might make some sense to you, like God or source or truth or beauty. The spirit in general takes residence in particular in you, and the name is changed from spirit to soul. There's a spirit in general that and then dwells within each of us and then that alloy between the chemistry of Pittman and the chemistry of the spirit, that alloy is called a soul. And I have a soul and a synonym for that would be myself. And so that which I've sought all of these years looking out there and around here has been within me all along, and that's why Eliot says that we return to a place we've never been before. So we now are surprised that like the fisher king who sits in his castle wounded knowing that the grail will heal him only to discover that the grail has been in his castle all along. I think anxiety at some level is not only not optional, but it's probably pretty good for us. Uh, Anxiety that makes us depressed or dysfunctional probably isn't anxiety, depression. Uh, But the existential kind of anxiety is probably the ants in the pants that the spirit puts in the soul not quite satisfied and I will end today because we're getting ready to go outside for a grand Pentecost celebration and I want us to all go out there and watch the children balloons. I remind you on this the birthday of the church where the Holy Spirit dwells within the people not just in the midst of them but within each of them I remind you that in this place we have grown to where we believe that the better symbol for the Holy Spirit is not just the dove, but the wild goose. (laughs) And if you want an operative definition of what it feels like to have the Spirit moving within you, think of the wild goose. Or you can pack your bags and
0: (laughs) be gone